Chapter 46 of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter 46 O'Brien tells his crew that one Englishman is as good as three Frenchmen on salt water. They prove it. We fall in with an old acquaintance, although she could not be considered as a friend. Our next cruise was on the coast of Guinea and Gulf of Mexico, where we were running up and down for three months without falling in with anything but West India men bound to Demera, Berbice, and Suriname, and occasionally chasing a privateer. But in the light winds, they were too fast for us. Still, we were useful in protecting the trade, and O'Brien had a letter of thanks from the merchants, and a handsome piece of plate upon his quitting the station. We had made sail for Barbados two days, and were within sight of the island of Trinidad, when we perceived six sails on the lee bow. We soon made them out to be three large ships and three schooners, and immediately guessed, which afterwards proved to be correct, that they were three privateers with West India ships which they had captured. We made all sail, and at first the three privateers did the same, but afterwards, having made out our force and not liking to abandon their prizes, they resolved to fight. The West India men hauled to the wind on the other tack, and the three privateers shortened sail and awaited our coming. We beat to quarters, and when everything was ready and we were within a mile of, of the enemy, who had now thrown out the tricolored flag, O'Brien ordered all the men aft on the quarter-deck and addressed them. Now, my men, you see that there are three privateers, and you also see that there are three India men which they have captured. As for the privateers, it's just a fair match for you. One Englishman can always beat three Frenchmen. We must lick the privateers for honor and glory, and we must recapture the ships for profit, because you'll all want some money when you get on shore again. So you've just a half-dozen things to do, and then we'll pipe to dinner. This harangue suited the sailors very well, and they returned to their guns. Now, Peter, said O'Brien, just call away the sail trimmers from the guns, for I mean to fight these fellows under sail and outmaneuver them if I can. Uh, tell Mr. Webster I want to speak with him. Mr. Webster was the second lieutenant, a very steady, quiet young man, and a good officer. Mr. Webster, said O'Brien, remember that all the foremost guns must be very much depressed. I prefer that the shot should strike the water before it reaches them, rather than it should go over them. See that your screws are run up at once, and I will take care that no broadside is thrown away. Uh, starboard, Swinburne. Starboard it is, sir. Steady. So, that's right, for the stern of the leeward vessel. We were within two cable lengths of the privateers, 
who still remained hove to within half a cable's length of each other they were very large schooners full of men with their boarding netting triced up and showing a very good set of teeth as it afterwards proved one mounted sixteen and the other two fourteen guns now my lads over to the lee guns and fire as they bear when we round two hands by the head braces and jib sheet stretch along the weather braces quartermaster aft tend the boom sheet port hard swinburne port it is sir replied swinburne and the brig rounded up on the wind shooting up under the sterns of the two weathermost schooners and discharging the broadside into them as the guns bore be smart and load my lads and stand by the same guns round in the weatherhead braces peter i don't want her to go about stand by to haul over the boom sheet when she pays off swinburne helm amidships by this time another broadside was poured into the schooner who had not yet returned our fire which having foolishly remained hove to the wind they could not do the brig now had sternway and o'brien then executed a very skilful manoeuvre he shifted the helm and made a stern board so as to back in between the two weather schooners and the one to leeward bracing around at the same time on the other tack man both sides my lads and give them our broadsides as we pass the men stationed to the starboard guns flew over and the other side being again loaded we exchanged broadside with the leeward and one of the windward schooners the brig continuing her stern way until we passed ahead of them by the time that we had reloaded the brig had gathered headway and again passed between the same two schooners giving broadsides and then passing astern of them capital my lads capital said o'brien this is what i call good fighting and so it was for o'brien had given two raking broadsides and four others receiving only two in return for the schooners were not ready for us when we passed between them the last time the smoke had now rolled away to leeward and we were able to see the effect of our broadsides the middle schooner had lost her main boom and appeared very much cut up in the hull the schooner to leeward did not appear to have suffered much but they now perceived their error and made sail they had expected that we should run in between them and fought broadside to broadside by which means the weathermost schooner would have taken a raking position while the others engaged us to windward and leeward our own damages were trifling two men slightly wounded and one main shroud cut away we ran about half a mile astern from them then with both broadsides ready we tacked and found that as we expected we could weather the whole of them this we did o'brien running the brig within biscuit throw of the weathered schooner engaging him broadside to broadside with the advantage that the other two could not fire a shot into us without standing a chance of striking their consort if he made more sail so did we and if he shortened so did we so as to keep our position with little variation 
the schooner fought well but her metal was not to be compared with our thirty-two pound carronades which ploughed up her sides at so short a distance driving two ports into one at last her foremast went by the board and she dropped astern in the meantime the other schooners had both tacked and were coming up under our stern to rake us but the accident which happened to the one we had engaged left us at liberty we knew that she could not escape so we tacked and engaged the other two nearing them as fast as we could the breeze now sprang up fast and o'brien put up the helm and passed between them giving them both a raking broadside of grape and canister which brought the sticks about their ears this sickened them the smallest schooner which had been the leewardest at the commencement of the action made all sail on a wind we clapped on the royals to follow her when we perceived that the other schooner which had been in the middle and whose main boom we had shot away had put her helm up and was crowding all sail before the wind o'brien then said must not try for too much or we shall lose all put her about peter we must be content with the one that is left us we went about and ranged up to the schooner which had lost her foremast but she finding that her consort had deserted her hauled down her colours just as we were about to pour in our broadside our men gave three cheers and it was pleasant to see them all shaking hands with each other congratulating and laughing at the successful result of our action now my lads be smart we've done enough for honour now for profit peter take the two cutters full of men and go on board of the schooner while i get a hold of the three west india men rig something jury forward and follow me in a minute the cutters were down and full of men i took possession of the schooner while the brig again tacked and crowding all sail stood after the captured vessels the schooner which was the largest of the three was called the jean d'arc mounting sixteen guns and had fifty-three men on board the remainder being away in the prizes the captain was wounded very badly and one officer killed out of her ship's company she had but eight killed and five wounded they informed me that they had sailed three months ago from st pierre's martinique and had fallen in with the other two privateers and cruised in company having taken nine west india men since they had come out pray said i to the officer who gave the information were you ever attacked by boats when you laid at st pierre's he replied yes and that they had beaten them off did you purchase these masts of an american he replied in the affirmative so that we had captured the very vessel in attempting to cut out which we had lost so many men we were all very glad of this and swinburne said well hang me if i didn't think i had seen that porthole before there it was that i wrenched a pike out of one of the rascal's hands who tried to stab me and into that porthole i fired at least a dozen muskets well i'm damned glad we got a hold of the beggar at last we secured the prisoners below 
and commenced putting the schooner in order. In half an hour, we had completed our knotting and splicing, and, having two of the carpenters with us, in an hour we had got up a small jury-mast forward, sufficient for the present. We lowered the mainsail, put trysails on her, and stood after the brig, which was now close to the prizes. But they separated, and it was not till dark that she had possession of two. The third was then hauled down on the other tack, with the brig in chase. We followed the brig, as did the two recaptured vessels, and, even with our jury up, we found that we could sail as fast as they. The next morning we saw the brig hove to, and about three miles ahead, with the three vessels in her possession. We closed, and I went on board. Webster was put in charge of the privateer, and, after lying to for that day to send our prize-masters and men on board to remove the prisoners, we got up a proper jury-mast, and all made sail together for Barbados. On my return on board, I found that we had but one man and one boy killed and six wounded, which I was not aware of. I forgot to say that the names of the other two privateers were La Etoile and La Madeleine. In a fortnight we arrived with all our prizes safe in Carlesley Bay, where we found the Admiral, who had anchored but two days before. I hardly need say that O'Brien was well received and gained a great deal of credit for the action. I found several letters from my sister, the contents of which gave me much pain. My father had been some months in Ireland, and had returned without gaining any information. My sister said that he was very unhappy, paid no attention to his clerical duties, and would sit for days without speaking, that he was very much altered in his appearance, and had grown thin and careworn. In short, said she, my dear Peter, I am afraid that he is fretting himself to death, of course i am very lonely and melancholy i cannot help reflecting upon what will be my situation if any accident should happen to my father except my uncle's protection i will not yet how am i to live for my father has saved nothing i have been very busy lately trying to qualify myself for a governess and practice the harp and piano for several hours every day. I shall be very, very glad when you come home again. I showed the letters to O'Brien, who read them with much attention. I perceived the color mount into his cheeks when he read those parts of her letters in which she mentioned his name and expressed her gratitude for his kindness towards me. Never mind, Peter, said O'Brien, returning me the letters. To whom is it that I am indebted for my promotion, and this brig but to you, and for all the prize money which I have made, and which, by the head of St. Patrick, comes to a very dacant sum, but to you? Make yourself quite easy about your dear little sister. We'll club your prize money and mine together, and she shall marry a duke, if there be one in England deserving her. And it's the French that shall furnish her dowry, as sure as a rattlesnake carries a tail. 
End of chapter 46